0: Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Moose everybody. It's just Brad and Joe today. We are continuing a conversation that we've had separately so far on milk and blood testing for pregnancy. But Brad released an episode two weeks ago. I gave one last week and then this week. We're, we're talking together, and I think at least initially, we thought we might argue more about this topic. But it, it turns out I think we're we're a lot closer together on what we see happening in the industry and where things should go uh, moving forward than we thought. I'm sure that we'll still argue today, but we'll uh, we'll get into <laughs> that soon. How are you doing today, Brad?
1: Oh, doing well today. It's always fun. The sun is shining, and we're almost to grass getting close to pasture time so uh anticipation is getting closer so that's always a good feeling to have when the spring is the snow is left and spring is coming
0: can't argue with that and it seems like this year it's coming on fast and uh happening all of a sudden and sneaking up on us a little bit it does seem like with uh the snow being around that long that maybe we're behind and getting ready a little bit (laughs)
1: I don't know. I thought about it today. I looked at the pastures and I'm not sure that we're too far behind. If the sun comes out, the grass is getting green. I don't know if we'll be maybe a week or two weeks behind normal for grazing start. So I don't, I don't think it's too far off.
0: That's good. That's good to hear. All the water helps.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I'm getting excited. It's always nice. And I think the cows are too.
0: So if you if you didn't listen to the last few episodes, um, basically, we've been talking about blood and milk pregnancy testing. And there's options for that on farm, which Brad talked about in his episode. And and those tests are through IDEX sound like great tools. And Brad proved to himself, at least that he could use them effectively. And and they match with what we send off as well, which is which is good. And then if you listen to my episode, we talked about how I'm in favor of these tools and I want them to continue and I want them to to be used some more and and any added tool in a farmer's toolbox is great to me. And then I discussed some of the benefits of ultrasounding, which there are, are benefits to ultrasounding in terms of how much more information you can get. And maybe we'll see that we'll get more information out of these tests in the future. But for right now, if you want information, ultrasound is, in my opinion, the way to go. If you're looking for a yes, no, uh, and that's all you care about, then get it done however you can. So that's a that's a recap of the last few episodes. Uh, we'll start there. Brad, one of my questions for you on how the testing went is like, how complicated was it? Especially, I could see the single test being fairly easy to run, but how, how hard was it to keep everything straight and run through the process of the multiple tests?
1: Yeah, well, you know, You talked about the single test. That's easy. You know, a few drops of blood, add the solution, wait 15, 20 minutes, I think, and you got your results. And if you want to know, I I think they'll actually work pretty good if it's like, oh, well, this cow come back into heat. We weren't sure you can run some tests quickly without, you know, having to have a vat on site or uh, all, all of that. So I think the single test, it provides a different avenue depending on what you're doing. The multiple tests. It takes time and organization. You know, when I first started it, I did 20 because I wasn't sure how long it took. You know, you have to run four different solutions, wash them. So it it takes a little bit more activity and patience to do all of that, especially having some equipment to wash the samples and the vials with distilled water. So I did 20 at first, and then I got confident that I could do it. Well, then I did the last 60. And that, it was a lot of work, you know, to make sure that you, it was like the right blood from the right cow went into the right well. It it takes time. I don't think I will ever do 60 again at the same time, uh, unless there was more people helping. So it, it takes time and and it can be complicated if you don't get the blood into the right vial you know you have to have a control and and do something so it's it's not something that you can just do quickly and get a yes no Uh, it, it takes some time and some effort to do that if you're doing a lot of cows or lots of heifers like we did it works out but it you know i did 87 heifers and it took me a little over two hours so it
0: it's time that's time, and, but at your own convenience, right? You can decide when it's going to happen. You're not checking on someone else's schedule, which vet, vets can be notorious for having a tight schedule and getting a hold right. of them can be tough. So if you need it done and you want to decide when it gets done, I mean, I I can't argue with that part of it. I agree, yeah. But 87 heifers in two hours, um, I would hope that I can definitely get through Eighty-seven heifers. Eighty-seven heifers. Hours. Absolutely, <laughs> with an ultrasound, you, I should be able to do that, no problem. But again, that then it comes back to getting the schedule straight and everything, and you know we talk about how hard it is to keep everything organized and where things go and and all of that, and I mean that that's a challenge regardless of what tests you run, right? How organized are you with your paperwork and? Are you looking at the right cow? Did you read the ear tag correctly? Do you then write it on the right spot on your on your sheet? Or if you're using RFID technology, is it ringing up correctly? Or is your tech working right? There's so many challenges to keeping that part straight. I think about the same thing with like DHIA testing and uh, culturing milk, any of that kind of stuff. Keeping all of it straight from a record standpoint, the test can be super accurate. But if you can't keep all of that organized doesn't really matter. And uh, that it doesn't matter which test you run. It's an issue.
1: I agree. If you don't have it organized before you start taking blood samples or milk samples it will go it will spiral out of control really fast and you can you cannot be one vial off or it will make everybody you know you'll have open cows that are pregnant and pregnant cows that are open and you can make a mess of it really fast if you're not uh, detail oriented and trying to figure that out so it's not for the faint of heart i would say to just go into it it takes some time and that's why i started small and but i really like the single tests no no doubt about it. I like if you have a smaller herd, the single tests are wonderful. If you're just looking for a yes, no, whether she's pregnant or not.
0: And again, we talked about the additional information you can get from an ultrasound where that's calf viability, sex of the fetus, is the breeding date right, all of those things. And I mean, for some people, those things are very important and they want to know. For you in an organic system, needing to know what's on the ovary is less important because you're not sinking cows and using shots to do so. But how how important are some of those things to you when you look at it from a, a dairy management side? Right. And that's the one
1: thing that, like you said last week, it's not going to give you structures on the ovaries or anything like that. You know, f- for, for me, it, it's actually it, it's important to know that. Um, especially if the cows aren't cycling, you know, you're not going to pick up cystic cows with these tests. Uh, so if you have some cystic cows, I think from a management perspective, it is important to know what those structures are, especially if you're sinking cows, because otherwise you're just giving shots to cows that don't, don't need that. What, whatever you're, you're giving them, it's not going to work. So I think that is, you know, that's one downfall of these pregnancy tests is if you have an open cow, you don't know where she is in in her heat cycle at all. So you could potentially be giving a a shot to a cow that doesn't need PGF or GNRH or maybe it needs a cedar and you just, you don't know those aspects. So that's, that is sort of one of the downfalls of, of these tests is you're not able to pick out those structures, which I think is important. I think it's important.
0: At least what I saw in practice was that calf viability, you find calves that are there but have no heartbeat. You find calves that the fluid looks off and you call them a recheck and you come back the next week and there's no heartbeat the next week. With sex semen, maybe calf sex isn't as important. We don't talk about it enough. There's still 10% on average of sex semen is still going to come up bull. So knowing those kind of things is, is, is nice. And then uh, one that I, I th- probably see the most often, more often than calf viability issues or ha- wanting to know the sex is the breed date being wrong. The amount of times that I have someone tell me, bred on this date, you go in there, you're expecting a 30-day calf, and you've got a 60-day calf in there. And you know that, well, you need to go to the previous breed date because that one's right. And that, that's a big deal when we look at, you know, when are we drying off? When are we going to move? That one bugs me the most that we don't catch breed dates that are incorrect.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, when I, at one point I used to be, I, I used to love to sex the, the embryos inside the cow. And after a while it was kind of like, well, I don't know what it really does from a management perspective for me maybe it was like, oh, well, okay, maybe I'll keep this cow because she's got a heifer calf in her and I probably should call her and I probably should have called her anyways. But so there's those aspects that come into it. Right now, I, frankly, I don't really care what the sex is anymore because I'm using a lot of sex semen and beef. So usually the sex semen, we, you know, 95% of the time or 90% of the time we're getting a heifer calf and beef semen, you know, it doesn't really matter, I guess. I, I shouldn't say that, but because it does matter because the difference between a bull and a heifer and a dairy beef cross. But now we have, well, it's male sorted sperm that you can breed uh, to get just bull calves. So I think at some point, uh, the sexing of embryos won't really matter. I know some people are interested in that, but, and I used to be, I'm not anymore.
0: I feel the same way. You know, when I was working with my dairies and with my beef clients too, sexing uh, the fetus really came down to it's nice to know. I care about calf viability, the breed date's right, what's going on there, healthy calf. And if you're down there anyway and it takes you an extra two seconds and you happen to see it, I'll let you know. But I'm not going to spend a lot of extra time doing it because I don't see the value Uh, because it really comes down to, like you were talking about, uh, a culling decision. If you've got two cows and one needs to go, you keep the one with the heifer – depending on what you bred her with, or the one with the bull, depending on what you bred her with. Right. And it's just really nice to know, but it, it doesn't change a whole lot of decisions. I, I just, like I said, I worry mostly about the breed date being right, because yep. that changes dry off dates. That changes uh, a lot of different things when, and when they, when they move and when, where they go and how well they're going to do next lactation. If you're off by 30 days, that's a pretty big deal. If you're off by 60 days. That's, that's a really big deal. So I like being able to confirm when she's bred to make sure that it's right.
1: You you also like to tell about twins. At one point, I used to be concerned about twins and wanted to know that. But now <laughs> I probably don't care about the twins as much as what I used to. I think, you know, our dairy runs about 8% twins. We just know that's going to happen. And it's, it's tough with ultrasound. You know what? Sometimes you can pick up the twins. I I definitely, we have had the vet in the past go, well, there's twins in here. And then the next time, you know, maybe there's one of the calf calves is laying on top of the other and the ultrasound doesn't pick it up. And so I think for us in our dairy, you know, it's been maybe 50% accuracy trying to pick the twins or not. It's, it's nice to know if they're going to have twins, but I'm not sure that it's as important anymore. Now we don't have a lot of calving problems here. So twins for us isn't as detrimental, potentially detrimental yet. We still have, you know, issues with twins. There's always stillborn twins or you name it. And the cow has problems when they have twins. So it's, it's nice, but I don't get concerned about the twin twinning aspect anymore. Or Not a lot, not like I used to. I used to be all uptight about twins and, sexing of embryos, but maybe as I've gotten older, I've just want to know whether they're pregnant or not.
0: Yeah. And I think the the twins thing, again, it's nice to know it helps in certain situations. If you've got a bull and a heifer in there, you know, that heifer is going to be a free Martin and then you don't waste time with her raising her as a replacement, you know, when you otherwise could just kick her to the beef side right away. That Those are the kind of things that I I, I like to know, but again, it, it's it's added information that's nice to know. It's not absolutely necessary for management decisions. So again, we're back to, is the breed date right? Is the calf viable? And what's happening on the ovaries? And, you know, if those things are important to you, maybe you, you use ultrasound. But but what are, I see the value of these tools is probably a combination of, of the two, in, in my opinion. You know... I think that especially with dry off checks or if you're a small, small herd, the value of just double checking they're still pregnant as they go to dry off, it's huge to use milk or blood. It's really fast to do it with a vet, but it's not always convenient. I think using a combination of the two would be cool. I know one dairy that I worked with, they use testing for pregnancy diagnosis up front, I came in at 60 days, confirmed the breed date was right, got a fetal sex, checked for twins, and then they had the opportunity for, for more information there, and then they rechecked with a test at dry off. So again, it's a combination of the two, and I think there there might be some, like Brad was talking about, that getting schedules figured out, logistics figured out with everything else that's going on the farm, it, it might be easier to to do a combination of the two. If you're, if you want that extra information,
1: you know, one thing that, and we could argue about this topic, but one reason that we moved towards blood and milk was economics, purely economics for us and our herd might not be for other herds. It was much cheaper to do, especially at dry off, you know, why, why have the vet pay the vet? Uh, a, a, a lot of money just to come in and, and do a bunch of preg checks at, at dry off. We run those through a milk sample. I don't know what they are now, four or five bucks. And we, we get that information in my mind. I, I don't need to waste the vet's time just coming out to see if there's a bunch of dry cows that are open, which we don't have very often. So it, for us, the milk makes more sense at dry off and we could figure out the economics, you know, I'm not sure yet whether it would pay to do all the blood samples or versus have the vet ultrasound. I think it, you know, for our management situation and how we run things, I think it's cheaper for us to do the blood samples. But we do a combination. Most of the time there's blood, but we do have the vet come out once during our breeding season and just check cows, you know, if and it's really it's just the open cows. You know, where what are the structures on the ovaries? What you know, is the cow cystic, so I think there is value in in having the the veterinarian come out once, especially for us when our uh, breeding window is quite tight. Uh, we can have you know assess those cows and figure out what's going on for for our herd. But the rest of the time, I think it's blood or milk, and that's where we're moving.
0: And I see that, and I talked about it on my episode too, where we the value of the veterinarian being there for herd check. It's valuable to get all this information for pregnancy diagnosis, but it's the stuff you talk about during herd check, it's the questions that get asked, it's the stuff you look at afterwards, whether that's sick cows, whether that's calf issues or nutrition problems, that's the value of herd check. It's not the pregnancy diagnosis because now we have options that don't include a veterinarian that are competitive on the economic side. The value is them being there and talking about all these other things and being available in the future. I hope that we're finding ways to get on farm that don't include pregnancy checking. That's the idea for me with a veterinarian. It's going to become harder and harder to convince farmers that the veterinarian should come if there wasn't already a reason for them to be there. But I think you probably have seen it, Brad. Like if someone, if a vet comes out for a sick, sick cow, how often do you start talking about other stuff, walk over and look at something else? It, it snowballs into all these other things that come up and, and it right. happens quite often. And, and maybe there should be a regular visit, maybe even different payment model, economic model for how, how that works. But uh, there's got to be a way for veterinarians to get on farm because they're still valuable, in my opinion. It just, it's just not going to be in the future, in my opinion, as a pregnancy diagnostic tool.
1: I agree. I, I think there's value in the veterinarians for lots of things, you know, health protocols, vaccines, uh, health issues, re- nutrition, you name it. But I, like you, do not see consistent pregnancy checking uh, in, in the veterinary model anymore. Not not with a lot of these different uh, diagnostics. You know, I, I've been to some DHI meetings and there's large herds that are, you know, milk and blood checking and they're not, you know, these are 3000 plus cows that they're doing only milk and blood. They don't have the veterinarian do the preg checking anymore. So I think those models are going to continue and we're going to see even more herds. And especially, you know, if you have a smaller herd, these single tests, that's probably the future for some small herds too. Why, for a small herd, a, a, a veterinary visit, all the time can be very expensive. And if you have them come out for other things and discuss herd health and mo- many of those aspects, it's valuable, but to just come out and prag check might not be the best option in the future in my mind.
0: Yeah. I, I can't argue with that very much, um, but I'm glad you see some value <laughs> in the veterinarian, Brad, that's that's good to hear. It's good to hear you. Admit I know. It. I,
1: mean, I I I had a hard time saying that, but sure.
0: Yeah. I, I, there you go. That's good. Well, we'll maybe we'll we'll run the economics at some point to just look at okay, what 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 does it look like for a standard preg check for this many cows in a good setup? You know, whether that's headlocks or one at a time, because it's definitely different. A rail is different, and then the differences in labor. You know, we got to account for the time it takes to get set up for both tasks, because getting ready for herd check doesn't start when the veterinarian gets there. That that happens way before, um, whether that's set in headlocks or identifying cows or sorting or however it works, that there's a lot that goes into getting ready for herd check. Probably a lot that goes into sorting cows for for pregnancy testing if we're doing blood. Um, but there's a lot, lot of factors there that maybe Brad and I can work through, maybe we'll we'll come up with an economic comparison just to see where it lands. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities here to to combine the two. I think there's a lot of opportunities to think about your relationship with your veterinarian and what that's going to look like moving forward if pregnancy diagnosis isn't something that you're going to count on them for. Obviously, with the the opens, confirming opens, any of the rechecks that come back on the tests, it's nice to have them there to be able to see what's going on with those and get that more information. But that takes your pool of what they're preg checking from a hundred cows to maybe 10, you know, and that, that saves everyone time and it hopefully saves the farmer money in that, in that process. I can't argue with the way it's moving. It, it seems to be the direction that it should go.
1: I think we're going to see more of it and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's large herds doing it. And I think it'll, it'll trickle down to smaller herds too. Even with milk testing, people have been milk testing for quite a few years. We've been milk testing for five plus years and now we're getting into the blood and uh, it, it's going fast. It's moving fast and the, the tests will only improve. The tests will only improve.
0: Before we get out of this episode, we can't get out of an episode with Bradley without talking sensors in some way. And, and Brad let it drop that he got a chance to speak with a herd that is preg checking with only activity monitors. Uh, so Brad, w- walk us through that, how that works or what they're doing and, and how intriguing that might be to someone who loves sensors.
1: Well, I heard a story about a herd that's preg checking only with a sensor system. And I believe if if the cow doesn't come back into heat on the sensor system, she's pregnant and kick her into a different pen. And, and it seemed that the farmer was quite accurate in being able to pick the pregnant and non-pregnant cows so it it kind of goes with the 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 blood test it's either a yes or no you know we did that with our open cows we went back and looked through all the open cows that we got based on our blood and went oh yep open the sensor system showed that they came back into a heat again so i you know who who knows what that will uh, bode for the future when farmers start uh, preg checking based on sensor systems I would be a little apprehensive about that. I think it could be used in a combination with blood or milk to determine those. If you get open cows, you can certainly determine to see if they actually are open or it can be used as a double check. But I don't think I'm ready to just preg check with a sensor system yet. I'm not there yet, but it sounds like there are farmers uh, doing this and it might be something to Think about into the future on how this might work. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts about that. I'm not sold on it, but uh, I think it goes along with some of the same things we're talking about with blood and milk you it's a yes or no, and if you're ninety percent accurate, maybe that's good enough. I don't know
0: yeah, we don't we don't need to get into a debate on <laughs> exactly. on specificity and sensitivity of testing today that could be that could really bog the audience down but exactly but when we look at like doing that i think the value i i like you i'm not quite ready to depend solely on the activity monitor mostly in my opinion because of confirming the breed date thing and not having quite enough information i think any time you have more information about a cow that's called open to confirm that she's open that is excellent cuz that is the worst thing that we can do in this whole pregnancy testing thing is to call a pregnant cow open that there's a lot of work that goes into a pregnancy. it could potentially change her career. I mean you're making potentially a life and death decision on this cow by calling her open and that's how I look at preg checking. you're right? so if if we can find extra information that can f- that helps us say yet yeah, that open, diagnosis is correct, I'm all for it. I think that is an excellent use of the tool. And uh, again, I want as much information when I say open as possible, because this is what I tell vet students is that it is a life or death decision depend- potentially for that cow, depending on how t- many times she's been bred, how old she is, where she is in her lactation. You could be killing this cow by saying open. So you better know. Yeah, I, I love the using it tool in that way. I as a confirmatory test, it sounds great. I, again, I'm not ready to depend on it wholly.
1: For us in our herd, it's it. we can tell the cows that aren't cycling either. You can pick that up quite easily, the cows that are not cycling. So there may be something there in the future. Maybe, maybe I need to do a study or something on that, but I'm not ready to say, yes, we're doing a sensor preg checking model. I'm not there yet.
0: I think there's some work that could be done there, especially with the, you know, like you said, non-cycling cows. You can probably pick up cystic cows too. Uh, a lot of times with an activity monitor, confirming the opens is great. Having initial diagnosis of pregnancy might be great. And then checking in with an arm mm-hmm. later. I think there's a lot there that, that has a lot of value. And importantly, more importantly than anything else, saves a lot of people a lot of time. All right. I think we'll we'll call it there. We've been talking for 30, 30-ish minutes, and that's that's plenty. Any final thoughts, Brad?
1: Well, if if you've stayed to the end and listened to Joe and I banter the whole time and you have any thoughts you it would be interesting to hear if anybody else is doing anything on and how they're preg checking if they're moving into the future i'd be curious to know
0: yeah and i'd also be curious to know if anyone has a different model with their veterinarian you know we have big herds that have veterinarians that are solely for those herds we have traveling and you know ambulatory veterinarians and we have traditional models of how they charge. I, I would be interested if there's anyone listening that has a different model of how that relationship works with their veterinarian, because I'd be be interested to hear what that looks like, um, whether that's a retainer type model or something like that, and how how you have that relationship with your veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Because I think, again, that that's going to have to change moving forward as well. All right, with that... Questions, comments, scathing rebuttals, they go to the Room at umn.edu. That's T H E M O O S R O O M at umn.edu. Catch us on Twitter at umnmoosroom room and at umn farm safety. Catch Bradley on Instagram at umnwcrocdairy. Check out our website extension.umn.edu. That should be plenty of plugs for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week.
1: Bye. Bye. Oh, mm-hmm.